Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A remarkable election, and it's still too early to call. It's just not going to be, as some Democrats were hoping for, an early landslide. I mean, th there is no landslide that we're looking at. N no way. It truly is too close to call. We've been up all night, watching the votes rolling in and the polls being turned upside down. A long night that could turn into a long week. Every single one of them, those people down there on the ground were saying... It's too close to call. Georgia is still too close to call. There's a lot of voters that are really split right down the middle. A result might not be reached tonight if certain states are too close to call or if there are legal challenges to counts. As things stand, every scenario except for a Biden or Trump landslide is still on the table. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the US election... What next? With a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept... I accept this nomination for President of the United States of America. We have made America strong again. We're done with the chaos. We have made America proud again. The tweets, the anger, the hate. We have made America safe again. The failure, the refusal to take any responsibility. And we will make America great again. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've got a lot of work to do. After months, years even, of campaigning, election night began with the world's attention fixed on the sunshine state of Florida, a key battleground that both sides had fought hard for. The crowd here at the White House has not seen the president yet, but they are anticipating a visit anytime because we are told the mood is celebratory and getting more excited, especially because they are already claiming Florida as a victory. It soon became clear Trump had won a narrow victory in this key swing state, defying the polls and keeping him in the race for the White House. Florida is the most hotly contested swing state of them all. We believe we're, we're certainly looking forward to a win here in Florida tonight. What if Joe Biden can get North Carolina, Georgia and Florida? Donald Trump's path to the presidency to re-election has to include Florida. The big state on the night was Florida, and that was always going to be called relatively early. 
and they count a lot of the votes in advance and it's a huge, hugely significant state. Josh Glancy is the Sunday Times Washington bureau chief and like President Trump, he watched the results roll in from Washington, D.C. When they dropped Miami-Dade and Trump was barely losing in Miami-Dade, which ought to be a heavily Democratic county, and that was game over in Florida, really. So that was a very shocking moment. I actually, without wanting to sort of toot my own horn, that was like the one piece of prescient reporting I'd really done. I'd, I'd spent some time down there. In fact, we did a podcast about it and, and spoken to a lot of the Latinos down there and the Cubans and their fervour for Trump, just from what I'd seen with my own eyes, convinced me that that was going to be a struggle for Biden. Many people who follow Florida politics are looking at Miami-Dade County, Miami-Dade, the largest county, where the trend is that younger Hispanic voters like Trump. Trump is doing better among Latinos, Hispanics, in this election cycle than he did four years ago. We spent the early hours of the evening talking about how President Trump had done well to connect with Hispanic voters in Florida. So that was that. Is, is tonight really, the, if nothing else, you know, is the most decisive thing that we're going to get out of it, the absolute end of anyone taking polls seriously? If Biden pulls a win out, the pollsters will turn around to you and they will say, look, we got Florida wrong, hands up, we're not very good at polling Hispanics. But... We called the Midwest right. The Sunbelt states were always a toss-up. No one ever said Biden was going to run away with North Carolina or Georgia. And so they will have a case for saying, actually, look, you know, everyone got a bit carried away on the night. We still got the broader picture correct. If Trump wins, then I think they're all going to have to go and climb under a rock somewhere and we can sort of ignore polling for a few years. But they did. They got Florida really wrong. I mean, they, got, they had Florida. Most, most polls had Florida, Biden up three or two or four even, five, and he's lost it pretty comfortably. And that's pretty embarrassing. And I wonder if actually that polling has an effect. You know, it sort of gets more Trump voters out and it makes more of the, the Biden voters complacent. Possibly, although there's been a, there, are, there has been a whole ecosystem of more Trump-friendly polling. Several groups, Rasmussen, Trafalgar and others who have been putting out much more Trump-friendly numbers. And if you've been watching those, then it looked mighty close and these results won't come as a surprise to you. The mainstream pollsters were writing these guys off as charlatans and hacks and in the pocket of of Trump. And that now seems a little bit premature, actually. There seems to be a bit of a sort of uh, epistemic schism, if you like, in American public life. And two nations that don't really know each other and aren't really that well-equipped to gauge each other's sentiment. And, you know, you're you're right. One of the things the pollsters really got wrong was the Hispanic vote in Florida. And you very presciently got that very right. And I know we've we've done a podcast about this already, but just talk us through what exactly has happened there, because it is turning into one of the stories of the night. What's happening with the Hispanic vote and Latinos for Trump? Yeah, Biden's collapsed among Latinos in Texas, too. So it isn't just a Florida thing. But what's happened in Florida is primarily that the Cuban... American, the Venezuelan American, the Colombian American communities, which is a big part of Miami, are passionately, passionately anti-socialist in a way that is visceral for them. And you're looking at a Democratic Party, a large part of which has labelled itself socialist in the past three years. In fact, Bernie Sanders was their frontrunner for president, and he's a self-proclaimed socialist. That's very, very toxic to a lot of Hispanics who come from countries where They may have fled socialism. They may have been imprisoned by socialist governments. It's really that simple for some of them. 
But there's also a broader point. The Trump campaign invested a lot of money and effort in its Latinos for Trump coalition early on. They had a lot, they had a lot of time and money to spend last year when the Democrats were still in their primary process. And they put a lot of it into Latinos for Trump. And the message they were putting out is, you know, Latinos, a lot of them, you know, it's, a very, it's not a monolithic community, lots of different types of Latinos, but a lot of them are quite culturally conservative. They might be anti-abortion, Catholic. They might be very concerned with economic growth, with the military, with patriotism. A lot of them are very pleased to be in America and frankly, not that pro-immigration. There's that sense of pulling up the drawbridge behind them of, well, we came here legally. We don't want other people to come here illegally. And there are people that come here and make you know, Latinos look bad. So there's a lot of mixed views. And I think the Trump campaign got out ahead of this and did really well reaching these people. And the Biden campaign didn't. I remember talking to some Biden world people, a guy called Mo Vella, who's a close Biden ally and Hispanic, sort of three or four months ago, and him saying, look, I, I, we're not doing enough to talk to Hispanics. He doesn't have a good message for them. And so it will be odd if Donald Trump wins re-election, partly on the back of Hispanic votes, given all the things we know about Trump and all the assumptions people have about him. It's a it's a complex picture. And what, what now for the country? Because, you know, it's probably more divided than ever. We've had warnings of violence, um, people boarding up property all, all day and all week in preparation. How, how bad could it get? It could get quite bad. I was down by the White House earlier. There's definitely an air of tension and an edge. We know what we saw over the summer. If this ends up in the courts... Um, people will take to the streets. There are already plans to do that on both sides. I don't want to be too apocalyptic. I think, I think both sides would broadly accept a winner if, there is, if a winner is clear. If it's not clear, then, then that, that is a scenario where things could get messy. This is a repudiation for, for Democrats who thought maybe the country's just going to chuck Trump overboard and we, you know, this, we're going to win the Senate and we're going to win the White House by a landslide and a, a new New Deal awaits or something like that. This is a rejection of that vision. And so Democrats, even if they scrape a win tonight, ought to be disappointed and also deflated and thinking about what, what it is that they don't know about their country and what, why it is that they're not appealing to people, why they are actually regressing among working class voters and Hispanic voters, what's missing. And for Trump supporters, it's, uh, well, it's a, I mean, if they lose, obviously they'll be devastated. Many of them won't believe that it was done fairly, but it shows that they're, they're bigger and stronger than, than people said they were, which is what they would have all told you, every Trump voter I've ever interviewed, and in and triple figures, will tell you that, you know, there's more of us than you think, and we're going to turn out more than you think, and uh, we're a movement and we're not going anywhere. And that, they've proven that tonight. Uh, and just, just finally, what, what, one of the things we wanted to talk to you about, actually, is just, is, is this the end of the idea of sort of a blue wave? Yes. After 2016, there was this endless kind of chest beating and, uh, from newspapers and Democrats saying we need to go out and listen to people, we need to be in the heartlands and talking about the opioid crisis and talking about these broken towns and their economies. Well, that's not what they've done this past four years. Actually, they've looked inwards. They've been focusing on the Mueller inquiry, Russiagate, impeachment, these kind of elite wars with, with Trump and attempting to oust him from office and emphasise his illegitimacy. Well, that's just not won them a lot of friends in the heartlands and it hasn't cut through. So they need to really step back and think about how they approach the Trump second term if that's what comes. Sunday Times correspondent Laura Pullman has been reporting for us overnight from a Trump victory party in Palm Beach, Florida. If Joe Biden had won the state, 
his victory would have been all but certain. majestic ballroom at the Hilton Hotel in Palm Beach and hundreds of people have joined. It's a sea of red, white and blue outfits. Trump make America great again caps and keep America great. Most of the room are not wearing masks. Uh, the six-piece band are in full swing. And I would say the atmosphere is one of nervous excitement and trepidatious confidence. Laura spoke to a retired police officer and Trump voter, Kathy Clark, who was dressed head to toe in Trump memorabilia. Kathy, talk me through your outfit. It's absolutely incredible. Well, I, I, I sewed the president's name on my pants. I have worn nothing but Trump shirt for the past three months. I've got about 30 of my spin a fortune. He's got to win. I've a fortune shirt. What does Donald Trump mean to you, Kathy? He loves America. Most politicians, which he's not, got into politics and they became rich. He was rich. He didn't need fame. He loves America. He loves us. The polls have suggested that Joe Biden has a narrow lead in Florida. What do you make of that? I don't believe because I'm on the street all the time. I see all the horns tooting, the thumbs up. The polls cannot be right. Can you imagine your heartache if the president wasn't to get another four years? I am horrified. I'm 73 years old. I have great-grandchildren. I don't want them to live under a socialist or Marxist or communist country. Do you think that Trump is definitely going to win Florida? Yes, I do. Yeah. People have been talking about the idea of a grey revolt where senior voters in, in Florida who voted for Donald Trump four years ago might not vote for him this might not have voted for him this time round because they're not satisfied as how he handled the coronavirus. What, what do you make of I that? I think the president did an exit job on the coronavirus. Yeah. He's yeah. done everything he could. I'm not going to spend my final days wearing a yeah. mask. I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. As Josh Glancy explained earlier, one of the big surprises of the night was President Trump's popularity with Hispanic voters. Laura spoke to 50-year-old Lourdes Maria Rojas. I belong to the Republican uh, Party here in Palm Beach County. My parents were immigrants from Cuba. I am a Trump fan and I support my president. And what is it about Donald Trump that you think appeals to people in Florida especially? What I see in him is his honesty. He's not a politician and that's number one what I like. And number two, he's a businessman and COVID-19 was not his fault. He doesn't really need to be a president and he doesn't need the money either. But I see something different in him. I see he's a man of God. And what do you envisage if Joe Biden were to win? What type of America do you think you'd see under that Biden presidency? We will definitely see a socialist. And that's my biggest fear because my parents taught me what they had to leave behind to come here to be free. And that's what my fear is my family, is we're going back in time. 
I don't want to go back in time. How confident are you about how tonight's going to play out for the president? 100%. I have prayed. I have done the rosary. My mother has done the rosary since the whole entire time. We have a big chain connection of prayer. As the votes are counted in Florida, spirits are rising at the Trump victory party. A Trump impersonator takes to the stage whilst they fill time. Everybody knows it, okay? Joe Biden, he's home, he's in bed. Nobody will wake him up. He won't even remember he ran for the presidency tomorrow. And anyway, he thinks he was running for the Senate. This has been great. I love you, I love you, I love you. God bless, God bless the USA. It's 11.05 in the evening and Florida has just been called. Donald Trump has won Florida and the room is elated. (laughs) We'll have more from the US election in just a moment. But you can get more detailed coverage from America with an online subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times to find out more. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. With the results still unclear and many more votes to count, what happens next? Hello? Hi, is that Professor Gerhardt? Yes, yes it is. Hello, it's Manveen from The Times. Hi, thanks for reaching out. Michael Gerhardt is a law professor at the University of North Carolina and a constitutional expert. I'm at a friend's house in North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one of the most interesting states tonight, apparently. Yes, apparently we are ground zero. (laughs) (laughs) You're very well placed. Yeah. How does it look from ground zero? It looks a little confusing right now because we are a state which had very, very significant early voting. But that early voting hasn't been really counted yet. So while the the results right now favor the president, there might be a shift because there are significant numbers of votes that haven't been counted yet. I mean, at this stage, there's a lot we don't know, but it right. it it does look like there's certainly not going to be a landslide either way. What, what What are the possible outcomes? How do you see this playing out over the next few days? Well, I think it's going to be very intense, and each side is going to be very intensely involved in monitoring how 
votes are counted, particularly after today. Many of those votes will be mail-in ballots, and it's quite possible that there may be lawsuits filed over how those mail-in votes are counted, especially if the mail-in votes, once they're counted, flip the result from Election Day. So I think the next few days will be critical because it means our election isn't over yet. I mean, both candidates have talked about consulting lawyers already, you know, during the campaign before we even got to the results. What are the possible grounds? I mean, would it be the the postal votes? What, What would they be seeking legal redress on? President Trump will probably be trying to get votes thrown out. So that'll be his basic approach, I think. How do you do that? How do you get, how do you get votes that have been cast thrown out? Well, you, you make a variety of different arguments. One of them, I think, that will be made is that these mail-in votes either came in after today or were counted after today. And I think one argument that the president will make is, well, they should have been counted today. And that kind of argument depends on how you understand the state law. And the main objective of of Vice President Biden will be to try and figure out how to get votes counted. I think it's going to be hard to get some votes thrown out. But, for example, there was an effort over the last couple of days to get 130,000 votes in Houston, Texas, thrown out because they were done through what's called curbside voting. Just people drive up in the car, they vote and they drive away. And Republicans were arguing that's not permitted under state law. Is it? Well, the state of Texas held that the curbside voting was okay, but the courts had to weigh in. And so that's the kind of argument I think we'll see from the president and other places. If, if there is a legal case, I mean, how long can this go on? Well, it could go on for a while. Uh, if we go back to the year 2001, litigation really went on after Election Day all the way up until past January. It's quite possible that the loser, I think particularly President Trump, and I say that partly because Vice President Biden has not said he's going to be, you know, he wants to do litigation or he will expect to do litigation after the election. But because the president has already threatened it, we expect that he would not just file a lawsuit, but keep it going as far as he can, maybe up to the United States Supreme Court. And that could take a while. That could take us into January. Inauguration day is later in January. So the the drop dead date, so to speak, is the day of inauguration. We have to have a president by that date. So whatever a court does, it has to resolve that lawsuit by that day. And if it does end up in the Supreme Court, will it make a difference that Amy Coney Barrett has has now joined the Supreme Court? Yes, I, I think it will. It's going to be a real challenge for the Supreme Court if this case ends there. With the court at that point, consisting of six justices appointed by Republican presidents and three appointed by Democratic presidents, there's going to be a lot of pressure on both sides, but I think particularly on the Republican-appointed justices to really look for and find a neutral or impartial basis for their decision. And because of the outcome in the case of Bush versus Gore, where all the Republican justices, five, voted essentially to decide that election for George W. Bush, the Republican candidate, this could be a second time that Republicans could decide an election in the Supreme Court for their candidate. And I think that would completely obliterate the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. I mean, it it does feel like this election is testing a lot of the American Constitution. You know, whether it's the Supreme Court that ends up deciding it, and we know that it's a political institution, you know, it it is Republican-based, but also we could potentially be in a situation like last time where one candidate wins the popular vote and the other wins the Electoral College. Is that still looking like a sustainable system? Because from afar, it's sort of... um, 
<laughs> it makes no sense, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think to a lot of Americans, it doesn't make any sense. And I think it's going to be very frustrating to a lot of Americans if, once again, we have a, a president selected based on attaining more electoral votes, but not winning the popular vote. The popular vote in seven of the last eight elections have gone for the Democratic candidate, but the Democratic candidate hasn't been in office as a result of that. That might increase pressure to change our Constitution, but it's really difficult to change our Constitution. You need three-fourths of the state to ratify a constitutional amendment, and you're not going to get three-fourths of the state to do it here because a lot of those states are Republican. It's going to be not only a long night, but a long week and possibly even longer than that. We're going to not concede this race. We're going to contest it because I just think there's just too many mail-in ballots that, to me, seems a little fishy. The Democrats have also said they would never concede the race either. No, I'm not thinking about concession speech or acceptance speech yet. One of the things that there has been a lot of speculation about in the last few days and we're still at the stage of the night where we don't know if this might be a possibility, but what happens if a candidate either declares a victory prematurely or refuses to concede? Neither one of those things might matter. What's going to matter is what is ultimately certified as the actual outcome of the vote. Congress gets involved here at the end of the process. So not only is the Electoral College, which will meet sometime in early January, but the vote will eventually have to be certified in, in the U.S. Congress. And it's not entirely clear whether the U.S. Congress will certify the vote in accordance with whatever one candidate said or another. I think candidates might say what you suggested, but that's largely, I think, to influence just how people think about it. I don't think it'll have any legal effect on the outcome. What happens next? Could this end up at, at with, with Congress having to decide the outcome? Or? Yes. So there, there are different scenarios, but one scenario is if no candidate gets 270 electoral votes or more, then, you, of course, you have the two candidates each falling short of that, and the election then goes to the House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress. And the House of Representatives makes a decision based on what the configuration of the House is in terms of states. So you would count up each state's delegation and that would determine determine its vote by counting up what each of the different parts of the state's representation would say. And, there, and each state gets one vote. So let's say Texas has 20 districts. All 20 will sort of vote. If they all vote for, let's say, President Trump or most vote for President Trump, then Texas's one vote goes for Trump. And you just go through the different states that way. And it would be the new Congress, not the old Congress, that would make that determination in early January. Given the voting that we see going on right now and the expectations in that vote, the Democrats might actually control at least 26 of the, uh, of the states voting. The problem is, I think what we're all learning is polling is a very imprecise science. If nothing else, this election should help almost seal the deal on, on not paying much attention to polls in the future because they're not helpful at all. You talked us through sort of one of the scenarios where this ends up in Congress. What are the others? What might happen? Well, the, the one scenario I think which people were expecting is not going to come to pass. And that one scenario was where one candidate might just simply win, win so convincingly that it would end the matter right then and there. That does not appear to be the case. So we put that aside. Instead, this appears to be an election heading towards 
a very close contest. That means, I think, exactly what your questions were sort of asking about before. That means that we're going to have an election that's not decided today or tomorrow, but it's going to take weeks to resolve as litigation takes place and as state by state, different courts will reach determinations about whether or not to count all the votes or make determinations about which votes not to count. Could there be a challenge at the electoral college level? It's less likely, but the most likely scenario that would involve a challenge to what the Electoral College does would depend on an elector voting against whatever the rules of the state were that the elector should have followed. So we have a, there's a phenomenon called faithless electors. So the, uh, an elector is supposed to vote how the state tells the elector to vote. But if an elector doesn't do that, but votes a different way, then you might have a lawsuit over that. I think it's probably not likely because I think the the people that are um, running for electors on either the Democratic or Republican side feel very intensely about their candidate. So they're, they're not likely to turn their back on their candidate when given a chance to vote in the Electoral College. And I know this is very hard to say, but what next for, for the public? <laughs> They've been preparing for violence in the run-up to this election. And, you know, people sort of assumed that, that was sort of overblown. But what, what do you see happening in the next few days? It's a good question. And I think you're right to suggest that what this election has done, and I think we all knew this might happen, but this election has challenged uh, the United States in all sorts of different ways. It's challenged our institutions. It's challenged the presidency. It's challenged Congress. It's ta- it might well challenge the judiciary, and it, it is going to challenge the American people again. And the American people have been very divided, at least since the 2016 election. And this election doesn't look like it's going to heal any of the division. So I think the divisions will persist. We're going to have to kind of steel ourselves for more division and, frankly, more hate spewed from one direction or another. And, and if President Trump, win or lose, comes out of this as somebody who just went through a very close vote, we can expect him to remain a prominent person on the scene, and he will just foment more violence and more hatred among the American people. It's why I'm moving to England. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're very welcome. (laughs) 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 Professor Gerhardt, thank you so much for for shedding a bit of light on an otherwise very confusing picture. Thank you for having me. A nation still divided, and the world on the edge of its seat as the last tranche of votes are counted. This morning, just before 6am UK time, Joe Biden took to the stage. We knew this was going to go long, but who knew we are going to go into maybe tomorrow morning, maybe even longer. But look, we feel good about where we are. We really do. I'm here to tell you tonight, we believe we're on track to win this election. As I've said all along, it's not my place or Donald Trump's place to declare who's won this election. That's the decision of the American people. But I'm optimistic about this outcome. Keep the faith, guys. We're going to win this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And almost two hours later... President Trump came out of the White House with an astonishing statement. 
This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. So our goal now is to ensure the integrity for the good of this nation. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list, okay? It's, it's a very sad, it's a very sad moment. To me, this is a very sad moment. And we will win this. And we, as far as I'm concerned, we already have won it. So I just want to thank you. I want to thank all of our support. I want to thank all of the people. But the counting is still going on. And there is, as yet, no clear winner. We may have to wait days, possibly longer, until there is. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests in Washington, D.C., Sunday Times Washington Bureau Chief Josh Glancy, in Palm Beach, Florida, Sunday Times correspondent Laura Pullman, and at Ground Zero in North Carolina, law professor Michael Gerhardt. You can keep up with all the latest on the US election at thetimes.co.uk or on Times Radio throughout the day. The producers tonight were James Shield and Will Rowe. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella and Falcon Kisseltuk. We're going to get some sleep now, but we'll be back at the normal time tomorrow. See you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.